Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your seriously pointless podcast about all your nerdy geek things throughout time and space, James. That's right. <laughs> time and space. Time and space. We're going to wiggly wobbly for you today. Oh, so gosh. timey wimey, wiggly wobbly. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying out different things, guys, to see how it works. But uh, it, it, it's a it's a work of progress, which is, as is always everything on the podcast. But so today, obviously, you guys heard James. Yes. I, I mean, I am again joined by the illustrious James. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good, man. So what have you been up to? Oh, sleeping off the weekend so far. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't yeah. done a whole lot. Yeah, we had a little, a little bit of a get-together uh, over the weekend, and it, we had a good time, but man, mm-hmm. it just... Traveling any sort of distance kind of just takes it out, doesn't it? It was nice to take a trip up to the big city yeah. and enjoy some of the... The fine dining and stuff that's available there. <laughs> it was really good. It was really good. Yeah, it, I, it was. It was nice, and that's one problem with going to the city right now is everything is closed. Yep. And the only restaurants that are open are the really nice ones. They're like, really, really nice, and we were really on one I was, hand delicious. They were amazing. delicious. Yeah, <laughs> I almost like, but I looked at it. And I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to eat out for like two months now, so it's okay. But it was totally worth it because we haven't eaten out in like three months with everything going, or probably even longer. I and that's how I justify it because I'm thinking, well, when's the last time we've done this? I mean, I a think it was while. when we did 36 like a year ago. Yeah, well, it was about it was about six months six ago. Six months ago, yeah, it was about six months ago. But it feels like a year ago. But yeah, that's that's what we've been up to, guys. And it's 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 not. Oh, so in that case, we really we actually had a little downtime up there. We actually got to watch a little anime while we were up there. Yeah, that was fun. We did. We started. Oh, yeah. uh, I started David on the Boku Fury. Yeah, the I don't sh- want to get hurt, so I'll just raise my defense. Anime. The, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a great anime. If you guys haven't seen it, it's kind of a satirical anime about a girl that goes into a RPG game world and she just puts all of her points in vitality. And needless to say, she cannot be killed. So <laughs> yes, hijinks ensue. She becomes colossally overpowered over time yeah it's like a it's a it's a game mechanic that the the, the game devs did not foresee <laughs> yes it's it's a light-hearted just kind of making fun of the genre type anime yeah. it's, like I said, it's don't great. expect deep plot but if you just need to de-stress after a bad day at work it's yes. awesome it's on it's on par with uh that time i got reincarnated as a slime which i i have you got me hooked on it finally and <laughs> i actually started watching it a little bit i had some downtime yesterday while i was at work and i i I was eating my dip, my lunch, and I was like, I'm going to watch a couple episodes. And two episodes later, I'm like, I have to get back to work. <laughs> so, it's like, it was bad. It, it was bad. I was, but it's, it's they're very good. So if you guys haven't seen them, go out and check them out. I'm sure you can find them on Funimation and other websites if that's your prerogative. But it, it's great. So um, talking about game mechanics and, yes. and interesting things. So obviously, that's all we ever talk about around here is interesting things but uh we are going to talk about uh star wars knights of the old republic the first video game uh which was introduced by bioware back in 2003 so what before we get into the nitty-gritty stuff james what do you know of the knights of the old so uh, this is one i only played briefly i can't remember who in our friend group had it so, but I was doing other games at that time. I, I remember getting through the intro in the first hour yeah. or so. Well, you were I, you were more of a Nintendo kid at this point. I was more of a Nintendo kid at this yeah. point. I remember that the Force meditation, Force ability was like yeah. invented for this game, and the nerds were really upset about it at the time. Yes, but it's really entered into the lore at this point. So, no, absolutely. Props so, to Bioware for that one. So we got lucky. I got lucky that. Um, Two of the three friends at a time. So this came out whenever we were in high school. Yes. Um, 
And to be fair, I think probably that was the vast majority of our vast majority of our friends actually played on Xboxes. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think Cole was the only one that had a PlayStation actually. Right. If I remember correctly, but I had a PlayStation Two for a little while, yeah. but I didn't have that many games on it. And so this this originally came out for the Xbox, uh, the original Xbox. So you played it on the Duke controller and yeah. all that stuff. So this is one of those big titles. So you had like, well, let's say Reese played it, Alex played mm-hmm. it, Cole, Sam. I that kid played this game nonstop. And yeah. so I, I think there was a whole year there. I went over to his house and he played nothing but this. <laughs> so, yeah. It's in, but then again, yeah. Sam, Sam was trapped in the wilderness that is on the north part of Cape, which is in the woods. And yeah, anyways. Yeah. So, anyway, so, but that, that it was, you have to say, it was a phenomenon to come to the Xbox when it did. And I think it really helped elevate the Xbox at a time where it was kind of like people were a little unsure about whether or not mm-hmm. it was what it was, whether or not it was going to be doing well. And it kind of cemented it in a way that they said, hey, we can do these RPG games that a lot of computer consoles are doing still. Mm-hmm. And and that and luckily they picked a company like Bioware, which yeah. is where a lot of the that's that was their bread and butter, man. And, and for me, this is one of the prototypical or archetypical like 3D Yep. American style RPG games, very much Western RPG that you yeah. see later with stuff like, um, oh, what's a good example? Like Mass Effect and stuff like that. Yeah, really take this same concept of where you have, that. yeah, you have these. They they have so that's another part of it too. Is like that we have these. They have uh, dialogue choices, which is very evident in a lot of the. Not Fable was about the same time period as this. What's one that? Too. Wasn't Fable around the same time as this? Or Fable? Like, Fable was on the. Well, Fable was a little bit later. So Fable, yeah. the first Fable came out, I believe, came out for the 360. So early 360, or either late um, yeah. Xbox. I'd have to look it up, but but so they had that really cool game mechanic, like you were saying, is they had those. Uh, uh, multiple choices on how to interact with somebody depending on your s- character skills, um, which is really heavy RPG, which is nowadays you can do that on almost any of those. This is Fable uh, 04. 04? Oh, wow. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a little bit later than that. So Well, they've released so many of them. <laughs> well, you know, well, yeah, they did. But so, and that, that's kind of, I guess, they got lucky that they came out a little bit before Fable because Fable yeah. had, like you said, that straight kind of the same thing, that morality system, which is they kind of have that a little bit in this, but this is one of the first major ones that they do that. Well, and that was all the rage back in the day. Yep. Like there was the time of quick time events and it was followed by the moral, moral choice systems. Yep. Like if you remember black and white, I think might've been one of the first ones to really emphasize it. Great game. Yeah. Very different, but it's one of those experimental game types that I think would be a lot better now at the time. It was way ahead of its time. So you do have that a little bit with like Reyes and a couple of those little like smaller like 2D games yeah. where you do play kind of like some sort of elemental slash godlike character yeah. almost. But these were like the first games to have yeah. like the good ending, bad ending, yes. good guy, bad guy type mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no real middle gray area, really. No, there wasn't a middle ground at this point. You either picked the good option or the bad option or the incorrect option yeah. that did nothing. Yeah, well, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not wrong. It was definitely a lot of that, but like, the, and, and slowly over time, like I said, this this is a this was one of those. These are some of those games that have they they set that great groundwork for some of the other games that kind of have more. They kind of flesh it out and they give you kind of those gray undertones mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think that's great. 
nowadays because you can you can have multiple endings for multiple multiple people you know for multiple parts of your character depending on you know what what kind of character you want to play or what kind of path you want to go with mm-hmm. and and you can get some you can get some really heavy stuff especially in like uh the new vampire the masquerade uh that's going to be coming out there's some serious like gray undertones that's a heavy rpg game so like it's kind yes. of it's based off this kind of style where you have a lot if you don't like if you guys don't like heavy dialogue stuff that's what a lot of these kind of bioware esque games go into where you have multiple um, kind of actions where you can, you, when you interact with somebody, be like, Hey, do I want to just talk to him? I want to pump for information. Do yeah. I want to persuade him? Do I want to interrogate them? Do I want to lie to them? It's just like, yeah, I mean, there, there, there is combat that is part of the game, but exploring the world is a big part of the draw yeah, of this type a, of game. And you have to yeah. the talking to people, the endless lore dumps in like the little things yes, you find. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, it's great because if it's, if it's a lore you love, you're going to want to spend time and sit there and read over all these little things. And I think a lot of games that started moving heavily into this kind of thing, like fallout really mm-hmm. got into this and especially like uh, uh, elder scrolls, mm-hmm. which is a hugely popular series. So if you guys like elder scrolls type stuff, this is a game that's right up your alley. If you can get over kind of the, the older style graphics, if you play it on the computer, you could probably get a reskin patch uh, for and it. Or, uh, correct but, me if I'm wrong, but I think this has more of a turn-based Yes, though this this on. was a lot more turn based, and it wasn't like um, it was more had that uh, Elder Scrolls kind of Oblivion kind of thing going on. Yeah. Or that that point, it was still turn based, yes. um, more like a traditional RPG. And and they had it set. It, so some of their previous games they did were like uh, Neverwinter Nights, yes. which is straight up just D and D world. Which actually D and D, yeah, yeah, D and D actually straight up they 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 bought the setting for it. It's pretty much straight D and D three point five, like yeah. right down to the prestige classes. Like you could you could be a dragon disciple, yeah. which I, I we, we played. I played a ton of that with uh, my buddy Tim and Cole. We loved that game. Um, but yeah, and 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 it, they, but they they got lucky with this is because they were actually approached by Lucas Arts at the time. Because this is right after uh, the prequels came out, which mm-hmm. even though everyone has their opinions on the prequels and the sequels and the new series and all that jazz, mm-hmm. not the original trailers. No one can ever talk crap about the original series. And if you do, I'll come on and I'll fight you about it. <laughs> the The original, you know, uh, four, uh, uh, four, five, and six, you, I will yeah, I will come to your house and I will fight you over it. <laughs> well, you know, there are some. No. <laughs> Don't start with me. Don't start with me. So, but it... it, it it, it, it came in to a time where they had these prequels and they marketed so heavy towards like younger kids mm-hmm. and they had all, they basically were like, well, we got to capitalize on this and much like LucasArts does and, and the toy merchandising part of the LucasArts arm, they're like, we're going to get our money's worth out of this thing. Mm-hmm. This is before, cause this is before Disney had bought them out, you know, years later. They were like the market was just flooded with crappy Star Wars video games. There is a unholy amount of Star Wars games. There are a select few, like Rogue yep. Squadron, for example, yep. that are real gems amongst the, the refuse. But yeah. but this is one. <laughs> this where is they, one of them that's good. This is one where the basically Lucas Arts was like, well, you know, we have all these other games. Well, maybe we should like because they were pumping out you know three or four different Star Wars games a year, and it was ridiculous at the time, and. They basically said, you know, let's sit down, put a little money into a studio that has some experience making, say, a good RPG 
we can that we can flesh out and just see see what they what they have to do and yeah and I yeah. like how this game like approaches Star Wars as a universe yeah and it's not a lot of the other games are just recapitulations of the videos absolutely like the SNES games and some of the sixty four games mm-hmm. even the Rogue Squadron one that I really like you're essentially just kind of playing along yeah this this with the movies this yeah went to a time frame where it hadn't really been explored to a wider audience as opposed to unless you had read the comics or the books, Mm -hmm. which if you'd read those, you knew about the old Republic, you knew, you know, where the Sith had come from Mm -hmm. and that they weren't originally, they were originally some random race that had uh, been pretty strong and they had actually attacked their older, the old Republic. And, and then um, they had been, they had fled and created their own empire and all this other stuff. And you, if you don't know this stuff, if you don't know the lore, like say, I'm, I'm assuming Zach probably knows the lore about as much as I do. <laughs> I love, probably. if you're listening to this, Zach, shout out to you, man. Cause you, you, you're a big Star Wars fan like I am. So, <laughs> and, and you know, this kind of stuff that, you know, that Which, I think a lot of people are more aware of it now too. Absolutely. Especially things like the Clone Wars videos expose people to a lot more of stuff that was previously just in the books. That, that wider games, universe. Games like about. this. Yeah. Yes. A lot of the wider universe is more out there than Because everyone thinks that, you know, like, oh, there's a whole world of Chewbacca's, you know, it's like that, or mm-hmm. Wookiees, you know, the people that are like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, it's like or my dad didn't know that. You, you know? ever sat down to play like the pen and paper Star Wars RPG game, which we enjoyed a lot. Actually. It, it was, was good. It was pleasantly surprising. It kind of had that. It was, uh, it was mechanics light, which was it, very it nice. Was mechanics light. It's a bit more role play heavy. Mm-hmm. Which, but it was a lot of fun. Which is, it's, that's great if you get into people that don't really, uh, like they're just want to sit down and have a good time kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I was kind of trying to get my dad t- to sit down with it. Cause I think, I think in his old age, I think he can get it. I'm trying to get his nerd out a little bit more. So I would, I would pay good money to see that. He's secretly <laughs> nerd. I think he's just afraid to admit it. So, okay. Cause, I mean, he got it from somewhere. So. Yeah. I mean, he was really big into like Stephen King and Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien stuff that was like around well, his time. Frame. And that's true. I, that man reads a tremendous number of books, and he well he, he listens to a lot more now. He listens, I mean, but I remember even as kids though when he was yep. working all the time, he always had a book he was reading. Yep, I'm like maybe beneath the surface, it's, it's we'll secret. See. It's he's and he comes from that. Well, he comes from that. He comes from a rural background where it's like education really wasn't emphasized as much as hard labor. But so that's a, unfortunate. a dream of mine has been to get my dad and my uncles to play paranoia together. That would be fun to watch. That type of backstabbing thing fits the family. Sense yes, of humor I, really well. I know. <laughs> and I would, I would totally be in with that too. I would totally still love to be in there. Cause I, uh, I would love to see that kind of stuff. So, but anyway, so like, so you get into this, this, this wonderful world building that they do. And so LucasArts approached, um, uh, Bioware at the time, and they're at the time like they had been kind of known to make these other computer games. This is I try to remember if this is uh, Bioware's first for, foray into um, uh, the gaming console because uh, I know they did Neverwinter Nights for the PC and a couple of stuff for the for the like PCs and stuff like that. But I don't know if they actually did anything for uh, consoles or not at the time. But they approach them and they basically say, "Hey, you know, what time frame do you want to go for?" And uh, in the Star Wars universe, and they choose to do the older public setting. So the mm-hmm. older public is, is considered four thousand years before the formation of the Galactic Empire. Um, that it's so it's far enough away, it's distant enough. You don't have to worry about getting muddled in the Skywalker saga 
or any of that jazz where mm-hmm. you have the where the the Jedi kind of fall again or fall in disrepair or the the height of the the, the Jedi and things like that their their order and things like that. Um, it looks like they did release MDK2 Armageddon on the PS2 a couple of years before this, which I had never eh. heard of this. So, yeah, I it's guess like that, some type of there's like dogs with guns and like an alien in black jumpsuit. So nothing, 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 of, of, nothing of, of note, of significance. <laughs> yes, so I, I will agree with that. So, uh, so it's great. So that this the time frame that they they chose for this, which is a very intelligent thing to do. Like I said it gives them a wide range of kind of flesh things out and they can kind of connect it with these, the novels in a way. Yeah, it gives us some space to actually write yeah. and to fill things in. Which in a lot of times, most intelligent authors, in my opinion, or narrators, they do that. They find an area where things have not been cluttered by all this other stuff. Well, yeah, because the, the post original trilogy space mm-hmm. has been really thoroughly explored by authors at this yes. point. Like the Admiral Thrawn and all that stuff. There's whole epic story arcs that have been widely accepted. Yeah. And I think writing into that would have given you like that scripted movie type feel that I think they were really wanting to avoid. Which is a good thing because, like you said... It, and that's why I think for the new trilogy of Star Wars movies, they had to do such a big time skip was because they didn't want to ruin and, all that. And the sad fact is now they're already starting to renege on the films a little bit. And they're talking about saying that's an alternate universe type thing. And I'm just like, I wouldn't be too upset about that. I'm not really. But either. on the other hand, I'm like, how many do overs do they get? <laughs> uh, it's Disney as many as they want and they're going to do what they want. So I mean, we're addicted at this point. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I said, I'm pretty sure we're not going to have Mandalorian possibly next year, but we'll see. It's with all the crap that's going on with that. But Anyway, anyway, so they, they, they picked, picked this they picked a historic time period. They picked a historic time period, which is it's kind of at the they wouldn't I wouldn't say the height of the uh, the new repo or the old republic. It's 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 still kind of in its you know mid- adolescent was, years. Yeah, this was after the Sith Wars, right? No, no, no. This, this is before the Sith Wars. This is before the Sith Wars. So yeah. so this is what it called. This is well, I'll, I'll look at this. So I'm, I'm going to read the the, some, the brief synopsis of it for you. The story. Okay. So the story sets of the night of uh, the story of the Knights of the Old Republic takes place about four almost four thousand years before the formation of the Galactic Empire, where Darth Malak, a Dark Lord of the Sith, has unleashed the Sith Armada against the Galactic Republic. The the play char- the the player character is as a plays as a Jedi and must venture to different planets in the galaxy to defeat Malak. A uh, player must choose from three character classes: the uh, scout, uh, scout, soldier, or scoundrel, and they can customize their characters at the beginning of the game and engage in round-based combat against enemies and all that jazz. So it's it's uh, here we go. Actually, here's I have a plot further down the right. So and I believe, like a lot of the Star Wars RPG games, you eventually get force powers like halfway yeah. through. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Sorry, I have a lot more on the on the plot that I totally missed on there. So, so yeah. So it, it's the whole the whole idea of it is basically that Darth Malak has come back because. So, if you're unfamiliar with the with the with the setting, is the Sith Empire had come in to try to attack the the Old Republic. Old Republic pushes them back. They go away. They they form the Sith Empire uh, on another planet. Uh, Malak finds out. Is it Revan? No, Revan finds out about them. Uh, he goes to try and stop them, or to stop them, he gets seduced by the dark side, and that's when he comes back. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we're at right now, because Moloch is also 
with the Sith Empire. He kind of he's like a another random person. He's not a Jedi at all from the beginning, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. He just is like straight up Sith to begin with. So okay. So and so he comes back and he's got this uh, the basically it's it's a kind of an armada that they're just trying to push in and they kind of end up taking over the outer rim is what they end, end up doing so but the whole point of the, the thing is is you so you're you're a character that you wake up on a republic ship the endar spire which is under attack by moloch's forces over the city uh world of terrace uh you have a republic soldier soon arrives and informs the character or informs you that you are under the uh, they are under attack you have to fight your way to the escape pods and then you you get down um before you get down there, you get confronted by uh, a Sith Lord uh, called Darth Ban- Bandon. Mm-hmm. Um, with no other options, obviously <laughs> Trask uh, uh, sacrifices himself, and that's where you uh, you you get in the escape pods, head down to the planet, and that's where you meet up with your main kind of crew, uh, which are you actually? Uh, I believe it is. Uh, do, 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 do. I'm trying to remember who the people are. Because you have three main characters you you have with it, so there's a pilot you have mm-hmm. with you, and then there's a droid I believe that you have with you, and then obviously like most games you can go in, and on most most RPGs you can meet characters along the way, and you can like rotate them Recruit out, them and switch, them yeah, out. and switch them out. So, but the whole point is you're basically kind of going after Moloch's uh, forces, and so. I don't I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but you you essentially have to figure out. W- you, how you're going to take on uh, Malik throughout the game, and you kind of. But the thing is, you can do it in any order you want, which is kind of the weird thing about that. One of the, the newer things at the time about the game is you can literally you can pick up quests for different places throughout the whole game and say, "I want to do this part of the story. I want to do this part of the story." Which, if I remember right, this is one of the first games that did something like that, yeah. where you just pick a planet, you go to it, and you do that piece of the story when you get there. And when you're at the planet, you can. You can talk to say you're talking to the the Wookies. I'm I'm really hung up on these Wookies today. I don't know why, but anyways, <laughs> you can talk to the Wookies, and the Wookies are like, rawr, 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 and you're like, okay, sure, I'll get you those special ceremony ceremonial bees that the pirates took from you guys on the way from your planet, and they're on this other planet. Oh, it just so happens that part of the storyline is over at this other planet, so I'll go there, get you your beads, and finish the storyline too. So. Well, it reminds me a little bit of Chrono Cross when you put it that yep. way, where there's this cast of characters, you can kind of recruit them and do their bits as you go. And that's where you get, like I said, the, the very classical kind of RPG tropes that you see nowadays. We consider them classical, yeah, but at the time, they kind of started to really flesh them out in a new 3D world and in the Star Wars environment where you normally had them in these very it's very it was they're very um what's the word I'm looking for they're very you very uh format you you don't normally have these in say Japanese RPGs mm-hmm. like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy you yeah. know for that matter so yeah and that's an interesting thing for me because up until this point I've always associated with RPGs with like the JRPG genre yeah so Final Fantasy Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross to a similar extent, though that one I think broke some of those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And you're right, they have this same kind of formula. And this was the same time when like Final Fantasy was coming out with its first 3D RPGs. And I, yeah, this is, I feel like, the kind of American take on the same formula. Mm-hmm. And they established a lot of these things we've come to expect. 
Absolutely. Like the, the way the dialogue trees are set up, the freaking little wheel of options in the corner that yes. every single game has. So why? Why is it set up that way? I don't know, but that's just what we do, apparently. I, know, I mean, I guess, you know, the backpack where you have a huge inventory of things, it's easily accessible. Um, but, like, kind of without going into, like, the crazy things about it, you know, you you kind of get a choice at the end, you know, without really spoiling it too much without people. It's you know, Star Wars. They know there's a light side, dark side option. So you that's do have... That's not a spoiler for So Star Wars. that's the thing is, like, at the end of the story, you have a choice, you know, what you want to do, depending on which side you go. You know, on the light side, you obviously, you... you you were you 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 want to ref, you know, deem somebody, and um, you end up deeming one of your friends who is Bastille mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the game, or you can choose on the dark side. You you um, you ally with Bastille and you overthrow and kill Malik. You know, it's like yeah. those are the two big you know choices. Mm-hmm. But it's you never really. That's the thing in the game. It didn't really matter. Like if you were like just a hair to the light side. You know, that was your option. That was your option. You know, you have to go light or a hair of the dark side. You go to the dark. That's the dark ending. There was no like gray middle area, unfortunately, which nowadays you kind of have that third option where they'll throw you into. Yeah. And you see this a lot in these early RPGs. Like mm-hmm. we mentioned Fable earlier. Fable is still a good example. It was kind of you're either a good guy or a bad guy. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> and, and I hate to say it, but it's a little vanilla in, in a way that they had this. But at the time, I'm sure this is this was pretty complicated for them to try mm-hmm. to set up all these different multiple stories that they had oh. or, or different different uh, quests that you had to choose. You could either choose to go in and say um, you're going to complete a quest for some random person and you had the choice to either say ob- the obvious light side version, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm just doing this for the goods of my heart. I need no payment. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be the bad guy, but like give me my freaking money. I'm going to beat the <laughs> crap out of you. And I also, on top of it, I want more money. <laughs> it's just like, wait, like, what? Why, why can't I have like a middle option where it's just like, sure, I'll take payment. Thanks. Have a nice day. It's just like, would that not be acceptable? It's like, they don't really have those options in that well, game. So. And when you start thinking about a game on this scope, and I think all the RPG developers run into this, is that, you know, these choices to be realistic and feel grounded in the world, they have yeah. these cascading consequences. Yeah. And so. I can see how the the trees of decisions and effects get really complicated really fast, and they can. Yeah. I think there's just a diminishing returns on how much of that to include in the game versus the amount of development time that makes you take. Yeah, especially in terms of just extra art well, assets. <laughs> just just for a uh, just for the uh, an idea of how many hours you can put into this game, you can do up to prop depending on if you just do a straight playthrough. This game will run you around 35 hours. Okay. And that's if you do one playthrough and you do all, like, you do all the quests and you you basically, you know, do a little bit of extra leveling probably sometimes if you need to to get to the end and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to play this game, say you want to play every single character class, light and dark, male and female, because you got, this is one of those other games too, (laughs) where they first started putting romantic stuff in there. So you kind of like, you can, I didn't realize there was romance in this one. Yeah. So there's actually, it's really cool. They actually did an update a little bit after the game came out where you can choose to do, if you do a female, I'm going to say scoundrel. Okay. Um, there is one character in the in the. There's one uh, NPC that you can interact with. You can actually uh, get get into a romantic relationship with her, 
And so it's like one of the first like uh, homosexual relationships that you have that they have available in this in in, in this in a game. Mm-hmm. But it's that's the only way you can do it. Oh, so it's not like a romance system. It's just like if you're the perfect combination of class and character type. Well, you have to build up to it. Like you have to do yeah, like some quests and things like there. that. Yeah, but yeah, it's not like with some of the other stuff where you like it's a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, it's a nice little <laughs> Easter egg, but it's just like like it's not like some of these other games where it's like you just have to like give the person as many gifts as possible just to make them happy. Hey, give. don't make fun of Harvest Moon. I don't know what you're talking about, okay? I don't know why I would make fun of Harvest Moon. I'm going to keep giving Karen grapes every day. That's right, you will. And she'll just say, wow, these grapes are so tasty. And you're like, you know they'd be better if they were made of wine. But you know That's what? Right. Take your grapes, you filthy grape person. <laughs> and I just graped her over and over again. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Hey, okay. that's, a, that's, a white I, I as, that's, that's a whitest kid you know, Joe. Possibly the best yeah. skit they ever did. There. <laughs> Look, check out The Grapist. It's, the Grapist. That's good stuff, yeah. And the way they had like this character, I swear he didn't wash his hair for two days. He looked like a creepy stalker guy. Super creepy. Video, Super it was, creepy. It was great. It was excellent. But... <laughs> <laughs> but so it's 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 interesting that they go into this this game and they don't have these um really all they really have are these big big two extremes and luckily you have a lot of games kind of built on that like especially even like fable mm-hmm. the game that like the, like the one you were telling about earlier that came out the year after you could play a neutral character you could run all the way through and just play mm-hmm. a neutral character you didn't have to go all the way dark or all the way light sure you got a an achievement probably for it or something like that if you went one way or the other if you did both and also, you grew horns if you're a devil. And you, you get you, to eat the crunchy chicks. That's right, you do. Because that's just like gives you them for whatever reason. That gives you the most like you know infamy, infamy or evil or what else, it, as opposed to killing people. Like you could kill a hundred people, or you could eat one baby chicken. Yes, and you're instantly <laughs> evil. It's just like okay, it makes sense. So, but it, it, kind of building off of those those things, you have these. Uh, these mechanics in the game that really kind of set it apart and made it a very specifically a RPG and not like a, uh, a live, not like a live action RPG game. Like, like fable was more than anything where you could move around and cause in the big difference between yeah, like, something like fable and bio and, uh, you know, Bioshock has some of those elements. Yeah. I mean, mass effect for sure. They kind of get into that action RPG a little bit, but where, well, that's, I'll explain. It's, like, it's, like, it's more real time. It, it is more real time, and they do have that to an extent in in Bioshock, but you can still pause time a little bit and pick out what you want. Yeah. And that's very reminiscent of this game. So yeah, if, I don't know if you remember or not, but you can literally pause time for however long you want. Mm-hmm. You have they don't they don't care. Which and that's interesting that uh, Star Ocean, I think, on the Super NES had some of those mechanics too, where it was like a traditional JRPG. But instead of being turn-based, your characters all had a speed. And you could either play it in the turn-based mode, where it would pause the game when every character's turn came up and you pick things. Or you could play it in the real-time mode, where the menuing, you just had to do as fast as you could. So it was almost like a Final Fantasy type thing, almost. Final Fantasy stole it later. Okay. (laughs) Star Ocean was the first. (laughs) That's right, our one and only Star Ocean. Okay. It's one of the best SNES games of all time. You guys. <laughs> but, it, it is true. It is really good. Is, is it on the uh, there's Nintendo sequels Online? later? I don't remember if Star Ocean made on Nintendo Online or not yet. If not, you could probably find it in the sure somewhere. It. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it. It, was, it wasn't very big in the US originally. 
Um, but they have some sequels now, which I have been told I haven't played them, but I, it sounds like they're like bloated monstrosities in terms of just game hours. <laughs> well, I mean, if you got the time time for it, but at the same time, it's like if you're paying sixty dollars for a game and you just want to like have something that's definitely worth your bang for your buck. <laughs> Those anyway, are definitely for it. So. The point is, I think this game featured the same kind of hybrid thing where you can yeah. try and pick your turns and stuff in real time and let it play out. No, yeah, and, and that's one of those things that like, they really kind of wanted to emphasize that a little bit because if they wanted to try and... They, one, it was what they knew. Mm-hmm. You know, they were very RPG, uh, turn-based, uh, mm-hmm. heavy, you know, between some of the older games that they, they had made. But at the same time, too, I think that they they I think they did not feel comfortable trying to move out into uh, a live action kind of uh, or a a live uh, a live action kind of more uh, gameplay mechanic that some other games uh, were starting to push in into their games. I don't think they they felt good with that. Yeah, like cooldown based mechanics like you see in a lot of games currently weren't really out yet. I think the first ones you really saw is what WoW started doing because they came out in what 2006, 2007. I mean, yeah, WoW had a bunch of that type of thing, and I, I know some of the other. I think some of like EverQuest and some of the older RPGs did too. But some that of them, was yeah. all like mouse interface stuff. Yeah, and I think it was on the controller. I think they just hadn't figured out how they're going to have such a varied selection of abilities yeah. in a way that makes sense on a controller. Which they're, because they've if gotten, you're going to do like yeah. a cooldown based you know, fast RPG, you either have to limit the number of abilities the player can access at any given time yeah. with, like, your ability selection wheel like you see in most games now. Yeah. Or you have to have a number of abilities that corresponds to the number of buttons on the controller. Yeah, which they're getting better with that. A lot of times it's literally like you have to put push X and Y or X and A or X and B or whatever it was. Which, you know? and you'll see that in some of the more movement-focused games, yeah. like you know, your Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia type things, yeah. where fluidity of gameplay is the priority. They'll try and keep the button mapping yeah. simple. Very simple. <laughs> but then you get things like where it's literally like you just have to go in and you have to, there's so many different abilities you have to have that, like, I don't know how they do uh, Diablo f- uh, 3 on the Switch or the PS4. I've only played it on PC, so... That's so have I, and that's why I've had people try to get me to play, and I'm like, it just seems like a lot of buttons you have to, you're going to have to push to try to get something to work. Or, I don't. I just don't know, I see how it'll work very well, it wouldn't work well. But yeah, then, I don't know, and I... I still have mixed feelings about Diablo 3 in general. Yeah. I will say after the Loot 2.0 came out, it became playable. Yeah. It definitely (laughs) definitely wasn't to start with for me. No, it wasn't. The Loot was one of the biggest issues I had with the game, which is why I stopped almost immediately after playing the first. It just has a very different feel of game. Yeah. Which I'm hoping with this new one, from what I'm gathering, I think it's going to be a nice in between 2 and 3. It's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So. Part of what I think made two so good was as frustrating as it was, the permanent skill selection was part of it. I know, and I think the the you had this limited space in which to be creative and stuff, and it made designing these builds very fun and very yeah. effective. Yeah. Like you have so many points, and this is your talent tree. When I played Diablo three. It was like, okay, pick the two skills you want and pick the two modifiers to those two skills, and there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, and you're good to go. So, like, that like, that's... It just didn't feel like I was building a character in the same way. It was like, no. here's all the options. You unlock them as you level up, and you can change them at any time. No pressure. Yeah. 
it, it just it wasn't the same. No, and, and so that kind of like feel is very similar to this game. Is like you had this pressure on the types of you know skills that you chose. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on what class you choose. And but the the thing is like you would only get certain certain skills depending on like which choices you made mm-hmm. throughout the game. Uh, and I don't I don't know about you, but they kind of did the same thing as like lock you into certain certain skills, or you, you once you put in your skill tree about what you wanted, you couldn't go back and change it, which is very traditional RPG. Unless you had a skill say, unless you had a, like a save slot where you're literally just like, I'm going to save right before I make these skills <laughs> and see if I like them. I'm going to go back afterwards and change them and up. We've all done that. And so on one hand, I, I appreciate the convenience of the modern respec system. Yes. But part of me does miss kind of the gut-clenching moment where it's like, I better look this up on GameFAQs real quick. Yeah, um, I'm going to see what I'm going to call or I'm going to like, get a hold of you and say, hey, we know, what did you, what did you what dump did all you your... What did you pick? Was it good? What did you dump all your points into? So so kind of going over the gameplay, the game mechanics of things. So obviously, like I told you guys earlier, you know, you have these, I, you have these character classes, uh, a scout, soldier, and scoundrel that you guys get to pick. But throughout... The game, as you go, obviously, progress through the game, you get to choose uh, either a kind of a Jedi class of Guardian, Sentinel, uh, Consular. Um, uh, and beyond the class, obviously, you have skill stats, tiered feats, uh, tiered force feats. Um, and then, obviously, you get different skills depending on your, your type of uh, light or dark side kind of thing they go towards. So, like I was saying, it, it's it's really hard to try and choose. Like, if you want to do the Force Lightning, you're going to have to go evil. You know, it's the only yeah. way we're going to get it. Now, is so. this more like a Diablo 2 style skill tree, or is this like a skill point based system where it's like six points for this and two points for that? I think it's more of a Diablo type skill tree, if I remember correctly. It's been a long time since I've played this game. I'm going to be honest with everybody. It's been about 10 years. So <laughs> Digging into the memory banks on that one. <laughs> it's, it's hard to think about it. So um, Because I bought this on Steam whenever they re-released it for Steam a long time ago after mm-hmm. they, they did kind of a uh, a 10th anniversary edition or whatever it was. And I was just like, okay, I'll play this. And I was just like, wow, like this is just, it still has fun, but it's definitely not the same feeling as I had whenever <laughs> I was a kid. So yeah. but it, it it definitely has that same kind of feel where you go through and you pick which skills you want and you can you can put a few extra points in it i think it does level it up yeah. if i remember correctly well so mentioning it not having the same feel we've talked a lot about how this was a landmark game and made yeah. a big splash do you think this would still hold up for a modern player so is this like a truly timeless classic in the sense that you could still pick it up and have a blast or do you think it would feel a little stale it will feel a little stale i'll be honest with you so it unfortunately if you have okay so if you truly love rpgs and you want to kind of have an idea of where some things kind of were more modern mechanics and more modern storytelling started Mm -hmm. at and why like say bioshock has a lot of their does a lot of things in their games that they do because bioware is the same company obviously Mm -hmm. you know go check it out because it's it's a great game that sits there and it may not look very pretty because of the old graphics, but you can get a reskin on it yeah, from, the, like, if you get the PC version, yeah. you can definitely get a reskin on it. It's the first Bioware-style Bioware RPG. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I mean, it really was. It's it's that they, it was something they, they made on their own that with, you know, with a, with a universe. They really didn't have to worry about people kind of sticking their nose in it because they still was the Neverwinter. It's like, but the Neverwinter series, from what I remember, is 
they actually had uh, Wizards of the Coast people were kind of like sticking their fingers in it because they wanted you to do certain things and, you know, push certain things. Well, it was a very established lore area. And yep. people, I don't know if people remember, but back in the 3.5, 3.0 era of the game, there was some very popular book series. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <In Dritz. laughs> uh, they just don't do the books like they used to. So no, they I mean, don't. It was, there, people were really interested in exploring the world that they knew, and like yep. I said, it was a limited design space. Yeah, and it was it was and it was set in a city of all places. It wasn't yes. set in a in a world like this is or a universe, even more so. Well, I will say for Neverwinter Nights, it is a little embarrassing how long it took me to figure out where the plague was coming from. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> No, no one's perfect, James. It's okay. The only reason I knew was because Cole told me because he'd already played through it like three times, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go there then. <laughs> and I proceeded to die because I was too, I was wasn't high enough level. So yeah. that's, that's, I think he did it just to see if I could make it and wanted to just watch that me sounds, die. That sounds like him. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you get into all these game mechanics and you get all these really awesome alignment systems and everything. But like, like you said, like what is what are your, what are you, what do you, how did, how do you feel about the game in general? Cause I mean, you kind of talked about me, like how so, I feel about it. Cause you haven't played as much as I have. I did not play as much. My exposure to this one was pretty minimal. So I remember the lore being a big deal. Mm-hmm. I remember the fans being super happy with this game in terms of like the content of the story it explored. I know a lot of the stuff they introduced has kind of become part of the bigger universe canon, which mm-hmm. is not something you can say about a lot of the Star Wars games. No, no. It's telling that a lot of the mechanics they introduced are becoming pretty standard features in games. Yep. Not exactly in this form, but you know, they're all coming through. So I think it's definitely a landmark title. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, the fact that I didn't play very much at the time meant that I probably <laughs> didn't enjoy it as well, much. It happens. Like I said it's. I am not as big a fan of turn-based stuff as I used to be. I mean, back in the no. day, I played I played as much Chrono Trigger and stuff like that as anyone else did. But yeah. uh, my attention span has gotten shorter as I get older. Yeah, no, it's understandable <laughs> because I do the same thing. Is like, is it a game that I can pick up and put down because my little one runs in and wants to play with me? It's just like, okay, you know. Or is it Civ? Can I sit? Let's sit there for you know fourteen hours because I totally forgot about it, and then I go back down the next day and I'm like, oh hey, it's still my turn. Cool, okay. But even Civ has gotten more streamlined, though. Yep. I mean, when's the last time you picked up like Civ two or something and tried to micro on that? Uh, it's <laughs> I have it. I played it for about forty five minutes. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. No, I become pampered. I become fat. In my Civ world, so despite it's, there being less going on in the game, it somehow takes much more time. Uh, <laughs> why can't I discover the wheel any faster? I should know writing by now. <laughs> but somehow my 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 the AI has already gotten into the Enlightenment era. Who knows? This is Black bull- magic. This is bullshit. <laughs> that's what it is. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of the, the 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 feelings we have about this game, you know. Kotor in general, like I said, it like he said it it came out to you know wonderful receptions. It's 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 sat on it sits on many top one hundred games of all time, simply from the RPG and the McCain mechanics aspects that they pushed in that mm-hmm. just really elevated uh, so many other games you know, in the next, you know, two decades into, into being and really kind of uh, cemented Bioware as a great studio between mm-hmm. Dragon Age 
and all these other RPGs that they did. So yeah. I, I would be I would be sad if they don't ever because they're talking about going back to possibly going back to Kotor if Lucasfilm will let them. And I think that would be awesome. Well, you know, so what they did, so that's Star Wars I, RPGs. Are I awesome. think they were pleasantly surprised. So they had came out with this one, and they came out with Kotor two, and they came out with Knights of the Older Public Online, which is an MMO. Yes, and I heard a lot about that one. In which I played it for a little while. It was actually very, very well done. I enjoyed it. I like the storyline in it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think they've had enough reception for it. And I don't, I don't know if Bioware had a hold of that one or not. But from what I remember, they it was an MMO. It doesn't seem like their thing. But and yeah, I don't think, maybe. I don't think that uh, they got a hold of. Let me look and see. But I don't think that Bioware. Yeah, it's uh well okay, Bioware did get a hold of it. Star Wars the Old Republic, yeah, two thousand eleven. Yeah. Oh my god, so they actually did get a hold of it. So this was the first Star Wars MMO. This is the one with like the really deep crafting. Yep. And it, pretty much the players filled every role that NPCs would normally be part of. It felt it felt a lot more like Elder Scrolls online kind of stuff almost. Yeah, and I I remember that I think it how do I put this? If you ever like watch any of those like virtual reality MMO type books or TV yeah. shows, this is kind of the type of game that they're trying to emulate. Yes. Where the players legitimately do and make everything in the game. Yep. Like there's not very little NPC involvement in a lot of that And there's stuff. a lot of there's a lot well, there's a lot of crafting materials that you pick up and luckily they kind of like said so they they have their inventories humongous on there, but I think the, it was so well received. It was well received enough that they're talking about possibly doing a more story uh, story driven one, where it's more of a single kind of uh, like the old code to Kotor's mm-hmm. possibly. But I don't know. It's like I said, they made it free to play because I think the subscription service has kind of fallen off and whatnot. But I don't know with well, everything. Yeah, I said with everything that Bioware is going through these days, I don't know how much they're going to. Uh, want to keep going with it, you know, since Mass Effect kind of had their big fumble on number three. And it's very disappointing. That's, I was very disappointed in it too, but I don't know. We'll see how they go. But, anyways, you know, enough of the, let's, let's end on a high note, James. Let's end on a high note. Okay. Um, uh, Bioware good? Bioware pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bioware pretty good. I like it. Okay. You hear that, guys? It's a middle of the road review of Bioware. <laughs> As a company. That's, that's that's how we're going to go with it. So, the middle of the road. Welcome to KOTOR's Middle of the Road Review by David and James. Yay. Um, but yeah, guys, I, that's that's what we thought of KOTOR. Do you guys feel the same way about KOTOR, the original KOTOR game? Does it bring about the same feelings of nostalgia uh, uh, to you guys? Or is it a little bit more lackluster like James and I kind of feel about it a little I mean, bit? I'm just sitting here thinking that a game developer ranking list could be a fun thing to do. That would be really nice, yeah. You know, just kind of see what, you know, obviously uh, 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 Bethesda would be uh, top tier, top tier, especially <laughs> like after like, se- especially after Fallout 76 came out, James. I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking like Blizzard would be a top tier developer. Mm-hmm. It's I'm definitely trying to think of who would be the bottom tier. Old or new Blizzard? One. Old Blizzard. Okay, good. Yeah, because Blizzard Activision New, new Blizzard. kiss my maybe, butt. Well, we'll see how all the stuff they announced at BlizzCon this year yeah. turns out. Are you excited about some of this stuff? I know we were talking about a little I bit over the weekend. I am excited about some of that stuff. I guess we could take a couple minutes. Um, yeah. So, so before we're recording we this right after the BlizzCon online. Yep. It was just this last weekend. Yep. And short list, there's a new expansion from Shadowlands. Who cares? Yep. 
Um, Wild Classic TBC got announced. Yes. And they announced that there's going to be some changes, which I think will make it fun. So, yep. like, the leatherworking drums are going to get tuned down. It's going to be on the last balance patch. Yeah. They're going to make the raid bosses the pre-nerf, extra hard versions. Yeah. You've already asked me once to get my account back up again, and I've told you no twice. Again, yes. <laughs> I know that I asked once, and he said no twice, so I think I'm getting to him. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, so the WoW, the WoW, anyway, WoW, WoW, WoW thing, yeah. They mentioned Diablo 4. It sounds like it's a long way off, because yeah, they're still... Like 2022, probably. They're still, like... Announcing a class they're going to include and not like showing this is how the gameplay is going to work for sure. It's a rogue class. It looks like the assassin. They're just calling it something different. We all knew there was going to be a rogue class. Yeah. The fact that it's the classic rogue instead of the Diablo 2 assassin, it honestly doesn't make a difference to me. I didn't like either one of them. So, yeah. As long as it's not the stupid, like, what was the was a witch hunter or whatever they called it? I wasn't a big fan of those. It was kind of dumb. Yeah. I always liked playing the sorcerer characters or the paladin characters. That was my idea. Necromancer all way, buddy. Okay, Necromancer is, is fun, actually. It's because, because you know why? You're more environmentally conscious because you rinse. You, that's right. <laughs> you're, we're going with that's the, green, I, the green class. I'm the green, I'm the green class. <laughs> Prove me wrong, James. You do recycle. <laughs> that's right, a lot. The barbarian leaves those corpses to waste. That's right. Filthy. He's a filthy capitalist. I, I'm environmentally friendly. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, the the post one point okay, we're getting into Diablo two nerd stuff now. Yeah. The, the post one point one oh necromancer where yeah. they introduce synergies so your skeletons yes. could actually be beefy. Yes. Okay, yeah, the, the skeleton necromancer is really chill to play. That's <laughs> right. Them, them skeletons be flexing, James. Them skeletons be flexing. I will say if you lose your whole army though, you'll find yourself going back to Act One to restock on skeletons because without them you are useless. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know why would I would ever do that. So, but but yeah. anyway, they, they announced a on that topic, yeah. a Diablo two. I think they called it rebirth, resurrect, resurrection, resurrection. Yeah. yeah, resurrected. So it's re it's a reskinning of the Diablo two uh, uni- uh, game, and I don't think they're they're not changing a whole lot in it other than a reskin. Is from what I can tell. Yeah, as far as I can tell, I think they're doing some audio touch ups. They're yeah. redoing it in three D graphics instead of two D sprites. Yeah, but all the I tried to find a, interviews and magazine articles and stuff last night, and so far they're emphasizing this is going to be more of just a cosmetic update. Yeah, they did say they're going to try to make some convenience updates as long as it doesn't change the feel of the game. Like yeah. they mentioned having an ability to trade items between your characters without having to like, really drop nice. a switch over. I don't but know what you're was, about but there were some other things they decided not to change because they felt it changed the game too much. So, yeah. which I know from we'll what see. I from what I got, I don't think they're changing skill trees or any of that other stuff. Oh. Like main things in there. They're, oh, they're re-rendering all the cutscenes. Ooh, pretty. So they were extra pretty. You can see period. every pimple on Deckard Kane's face or every it's scab. It's important to me. Every boil and sore. <laughs> uh, Overwatch Two got talked about, and it sounds exciting. So, from what you told about that, so you were telling me about this uh, when we were on the trip. They're going to mostly they're 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 right now. What they released is mainly just showing that they're going. The big thing is they're going to have story in it, like story arcs uh, or story uh, uh, maps in there for people to go through and play if they're not really more PvP inclined. Is the big change that they're so, throwing there? Actually, several things. So yeah, oh, okay, one is, one is that there's going to be a what you said like a quest type system. Yeah. They're talking about trying to do hundreds of quests, and they talked a lot about like the scripting and the different things they were including in it, and they're exploring new parts of maps and 
they're really pouring a lot of energy into this, and it's supposed to be something you can do solo with your friends that's not constant PvP all the time. Okay. Which I think is a good idea, because I remember the events were always super popular. Uh, oh. They're also adding in a talent tree for characters. Okay. So one example they gave was like Soldier 76 has some stuff that emphasizes his biotic healing field where mm-hmm. you can get an expanded field, you can increase its healing, or they said you could get like a repulsion mechanic where it pushes people out of the field while it's active. <laughs> there was one for May where they were showing you could change the shape of her ice wall and you could even turn it into a snowball that you like rolled down the hill on. You kind of have a Reinhardt kind of feel of things. <laughs> You're just like, I'm just going to take people out. And they talked about trying to change up some of the reimagine some of the characters like they wanted the tanks to feel more like you know bruisers who are actually engaging yeah. in combat because i know towards the end of overwatch one the knockback effects and stuff had gotten so severe that the tanks were just not fun to play anymore for me no yeah it's like so, i said I, yeah so it, it'd be fun to see what they do with all that stuff i just don't know it's very ambitious yeah which kind of makes me think like i don't know it's gonna either be like late 2021 when they get mm-hmm. it out or early 2022 and, the fact that it's a Blizzard game is the only reason I'm still optimistic at this point, because mm-hmm. most studios, when I hear about something that ambitious, I'm thinking they're going to give up halfway through, and it's going to be horrifying. But it's Blizzard, and they have... Blizzard has a history of you know, using yeah. their infinite money to make really polished, ambitious games. Yeah. Like StarCraft II is a good example. Yeah, you know, just because they could. So Yeah, and so I'm hoping it's going to turn out as big as they sound. They, they're billing it to be. Uh, what else was there? Was there anything else? Nothing really humongous from what I remember. I was trying to look at some of the stuff today uh, when I had time, but I, I didn't really see anything crazy big that they were coming out with. Obviously, from what I gathered, they had there. I don't think they're really going to they're going to keep punching money into that stupid Diablo mobile game that they were talking about. I don't know if they're really going to do much anything else. though. Yeah, they're releasing the Diablo 2 mobile game and I skipped that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, if you have a chance, folks out there, boycott that thing. It's stupid. It's just dumb. <sighs> And if you want to amuse yourself, you should watch the release trailer for it from a several years ago. Yeah. Because they got up on the stage and everyone was anticipating WoW Classic being announced. Yep. And they announced this Diablo mobile game. And I've never seen someone get booed so hard on, <laughs> especially at BlizzCon. I felt, bad. I felt bad for the guy because he's like, this is my baby. And I was told to announce it. So uh, why am I getting yelled at? It's okay. It happens. Yeah, they were also anticipating a Diablo 4 announcement that year, which didn't happen either. <laughs> and it didn't happen this year. It really happened this year either. I just think, I think honestly, they're allocating more resources towards the Overwatch 2s. I think they're going to, obviously, it's the moneymaker now, but. Well, and they've poured so much money in trying to get this esports things off the, yep. off the ground floor. They kind of have to at this point. I think they're committed. They're trying to double down. I think if Overwatch 2 has everything they're promising and it turns out great, mm-hmm. I think they'll be very, very successful. Yep. I think esports are going to be big, and I think the person who can yep. get their foot in the door in a watchable format is going to make a lot of money. Which, and yeah, they're it, definitely having problems with it right now. It's, well, it's just, But you're seeing viewership go up right now with everything. So. Yeah, and, and we saw that, and I, I haven't watched it a ton, but I watched a couple matches just to get a feel for how it is, but mm-hmm. the Overwatch esports... It's they're trying to. They're, it's professionally done. They're trying to announce it in a similar way to you would like a sports match, where yeah. you get multiple views. You have running commentary. They mm-hmm. flip between points of view. They're trying to make it into a watchable sport. Mm-hmm. 
which for me, I think the shooter genre and like the class-based shooter with abilities, I think is going to be a more watchable format than something like Dota is. Yeah, Dota, I, I've tried. Now, I, 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 I know Dota is bigger right now, I think, because it's frankly a more competitive game. It really is. But we'll see how it goes. I said, we'll see. Like I said, the next 10 years, we will definitely know. Actually, I, I said between 5 and 10 years, you'll know how it's going to shake out, honestly. Yeah. Esports is going to be a thing, I guarantee it. Which yeah. game kind of sets the tone for the format for yeah. the future it remains to be determined. I think you'll have those mainstays, but you'll have smaller titles rotating in and out. Oh, for sure. So, But anyways, since we've gotten off topic, guys, like I said, I just still want to say thanks for sticking around towards the end there, listening to us ramble about the BlizzCon um, a little <laughs> bit. But if if you guys like the similar, like liked hearing about a little bit about BlizzCon or liked hearing about KOTOR for that matter, hit us up on our email or on Facebook. Uh, you can hit us up. I'm sorry. Let's go back here. Hit us up at on our email at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up at seriously pointless, seriously pointless conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we you can make suggestions on things you want us to talk about. Um, also remember to like and subscribe and rate the rate the episode. Let us know if we're doing a good job. If we're doing a crappy job, let us know so we can fix the problems. So, James, I want to say thanks for coming by and talking about uh, Code Tour today and a little bit about how, how much we're uh, anticipating with Blizzard a little bit. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, it was good talking to you, man. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. Like I said, we, and if like I said, if everybody just wants to come back later on, and we will have something new for you next week. All right, guys, have a good one. Bye. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.